Hey everyone, welcome to Revival Town Podcast. I'm Chuck Tate. That's Andy King. How you doing, mate? I'm doing good. You know, I'm not not too bad. Had a, it's been a crazy, honestly, crazy few weeks. I had yeah. issues with the dog and and the, well, let's, and, let's, and the let's, vet, let's, the groomer, the. Let's pause on that. Let's yeah. let's let's go to the vet story and the groomer story. Come on, because uh, you've told me, and I'm like, this is worth putting on the podcast. Okay, all right. So throw out a little disclaimer that <laughs> this is gross. <laughs> so um, so here's what happened, Andy. We, you know, I have this little Yorkie poo named Dixie. She's two years old. I took her to get groomed. Oh, she loves to go bye-bye. loves to go for rides. This is the one that chews rocks. This is the one that she loves rocks. She's obsessed with rocks. We constantly have to watch her. She takes rocks from our rock bed. She hides them in the yard when she goes to the bathroom. And then later on, when we take her out to go to the bathroom, we're not paying attention, she goes and gets her rock. And then she hides it in her mouth, so you don't know she has it. And then you come in the house, and you hear all of a sudden, you hear, like, cracking it's her teeth cracking and she's chewing on rock a rock and you got to take it i actually she drew blood for me once i tried to take it away from her no she's way. obsessed with them all right but anyway she loves to go for rides loves to go bye-bye and um i took her to get groomed yeah and she always has like a mini panic attack when we get in there and their, their dogs are there are several stations in there you know they all have the their collars on them and yeah. they, so they can't get away and the groomers are trimming them and washing them all that so my dog just freaks out yeah when we get there and um but then she always forgets about it because she only gets groomed like every three months or so right right well here's what happens we took her to get groomed she got her nails clipped we get home a couple days later we realized they didn't clip one of her nails and it's curling over and going into her skin it's bothering oh, her so gosh. i called called the vet the groomer and they're like just bring her back so brought her back and right away she started freaking out because she's like what are we doing back at this place oh right because she had just been there like yeah. two days earlier yeah. so she's she's having not a mini panic attack a crazy panic attack and i'm holding her tight and she's just a little thing squirming all over we go inside and that's where i stand there i you know sign the paperwork and as i'm signing the paperwork i'm like man this smells like poo in here <laughs> <laughs> I know it's a groomer, you would think, right? But I'm like, it's like strong. And I look down, and I'm standing in poop, and I'm, I'm tracking it all over. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, no. One of the dogs before I came here pooped. I stepped in it. It's getting everywhere. She's like, no problem. And I feel bad. She's coming up. To, she brings out the paper towels and their, their, their right. spray. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and I'm like trying to get it off my shoe and i'm trying to hold my dog because my, my dixie's still she's losing her mind like yeah. i'm trying to hold her with one arm while i clean poo with the other one and i feel bad <laughs> for the worker so i get down and i'm trying to help her because i've made a mess right so i put down my dog i'm like you know what she can't go anywhere there's a door yeah. i set dixie down and i'm cleaning up the poop and all of a sudden i look up and dixie's pooping all over the place it oh. was it was her it wasn't another dog, it was her. And she had just started going to the bathroom everywhere. And the worker's like, oh man. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. Oh, this would have But if you would have cut her down in the first place. Oh, so, anyway, gosh. it was crazy. So some days you just step in poo. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. No matter what kind of day you've had today, the good news is we got a guy. His name is Samuel Duth. And um, I just love this guy's passion for Jesus, the church, for the word of God. He's going to build you up, encourage you. So get ready. That's all I got to say. Yeah, so sit back and relax. Enjoy this conversation with Pastor Samuel Duth. 
This podcast is part of the Edify Podcast Network. Edify is a faith-inspiring app that brings together thousands of the best Christian podcasts in one place for your listening enjoyment. Cut through the noise and grow your faith by diving into the world's top Christian podcasts today. Download the Edify app for free from the App Store or Google Play or by going to edify.app. That's E-D-I-F-I app. All right, everyone, it's time for another conversation on Revival Town Podcast. Our guest today, Samuel Duth, is a passionate about life, family, friends, church, and most importantly, all about Jesus. For him, life and ministry focuses on strengthening, encouraging, and equipping the church through discipleship resources, church leadership coaching, and ministering with the prophetic edge. Calling the church to know and follow Jesus passionately, be filled with the Holy Spirit, and bring the hope of the gospel to every corner of the earth. Samuel and his wife Katie are campus pastors of the Bressy Ranch location of Awaken Church, formerly C3 of San Diego, California. Awaken Church is led by pastors Jurgen and Leanne Mathesus, and we're so honored to have him on the show right now. Samuel, welcome to Revival Town. Come on. Thank you so much. What an honor to be on here, Chuck. And uh, I'm excited about this conversation coming ahead. Love everything that you do and everything you guys are about on Revival Town. Honored to be in the mix today. Well, thank you so much. I know when Chuck uh, had mentioned that you were coming on, um, I have been following a lot the C3 in New York. The stuff they do, very creative. My son uh, is out at, uh, on yep. staff uh, at Mosaic with Urban McManus in LA, and he does a lot with those guys, obviously, with the creative stuff. And so when, when Chuck mentioned you were coming on, I was like, there is a huge connection that we don't know about, but yet God's in it. <laughs> and uh, so, so thank you so Amazing. much for coming on. Let's, let's uh, dig deep into who you are and what you do, uh, the church and, and personal life. You don't need to go too personal, but just talking about what, uh, what, people, uh, what, what people are going to hear from you today about. Yeah, thank you. You know, it's, uh, yeah, how, how, how deep, how dark, how personal. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, you know it's, it's fun. I grew up, I live now on San Diego. I just mentioned getting honored to be a part of the, the team with Pastor Leanne at Awaken Church here in San Diego. And, uh, but my journey started in Minnesota, grew up in Minnesota. Both my wife and I did. So the Lord has really brought us through to the, to the good weather. <laughs> Yes. Uh, from the, the snowy, you know, uh, then I was in Seattle for a while. God brought me to the rain, so I thawed out a little bit. And now, <laughs> I, I don't know, if it, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm tithing well, praying well. I'm not sure exactly what all favor has bestowed upon me that God has, has, <laughs> has led me safely now to San Diego. And uh, I, I remember to make the move down here. I had so many people going... You don't get called to San Diego. Like, you know, that's not like a real calling. You know, you get called to Arkansas, maybe. You get called to South Africa. To you the definitely get called somewhere. to Peoria. Yeah. But, you know, you. Yeah. <laughs> We've still got the cold. And, don't worry uh, about it. We're to see kind of the journey. Yeah. Oh, man. That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. San Diego would be the one that you want God to say, least, I've got a at place. Least somebody is. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And it, it was it was 
it was an easy yes in the sense of the weather, but it was interesting. I'm jumping out when we were really leaning in because uh, we had passed a you know part of a team youth ministry you know Bible college like running overseeing some different things in the Seattle area at a great church called Champion Center with uh, Kevin and Sheila Gerald um, and they started sensing man I just see a new season we were starting to sense it and as we began to pray we really kind of took that advice I'd given so many interns over the years which was go where God's calling you not where there's a paycheck yeah. and that was really great advice when you have a paycheck it's now you got to actually apply it. And so we began to pray. We began to lean in. And as God was kind of leading us ultimately to serve it based on passion and and kind of started itinerating and traveling, we didn't come down here for a job. I didn't, you know, get on staff right away. I mean, that, that wasn't even really in the original plan in the cards. I was just going to itinerate, serve, and just be a part of the team. And I was all great, but I was looking for that kind of final few kind of prophetic confirmations that God was in it. This was the move. And we were having a final conference up in Northwest and this couple that hadn't really come to that conference for probably felt like a seven plus years. They go up and I'm helping kind of sort of host the green room, if you will. And this pastor's in there and he comes right up to me and he kind of one of the few guys in the area that kind of had more of that prophetic lean and he comes up to me and he goes, hey, how's it going? I was like, oh, good. And uh, and he goes, he puts his hand on my shoulder. He goes, no, how's it going? And, you know, I was like, I can just tell he was like getting getting this download, you know. Man. And uh, I kind of gave the gen, you know, God's doing some new stuff. I wasn't trying to make it about me or my. And so then God just unloads. He like starts reading my mail, reading the conversations with me and my pastor been having. And so it was this really beautiful confirmation. But then he goes, you have two options. You have an easy choice and you have a hard choice. Take the hard one. The hard one was coming down to San Diego where I didn't have the job, didn't have security, I didn't have the safety. I had another opportunity that was an associate, rising church, all, all, the, all the amenities sort of. And I knew that was the right choice. But then he said, hey, and I feel the Holy Spirit saying it's going to be way harder than you think. Mm. Mm. And in the moment, I was like, ah, no worries. God's good. I know God's in it. Not even a problem. But I'll tell you what, the first couple of years, especially moving, leaving job security, moving to cities to live in San Diego, trying to itinerate, trying to build this kind of new season of ministry. I'll tell you what, that word became such a comfort to me and an encourage injection to remind me, hey, God told me in advance, yeah. this was going to be harder. This was not going to be as easy, right? So it's, it seems like oh, it's, it's, a, it's a bummer of a word, but also it was just God's grace reminding me in advance, I'm going to be with you. This is going to be super difficult. That doesn't mean God's not in it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now we, we like, I love, I love it when God calls you and everything's easy. That's, that's fun. You know what I mean? Yeah. But usually when God's calling you to, the level of carve out something new. God's calling you to birth a new movement or, or be a part of something. Um, usually, you know, there's, there's a price to pay and there's yeah. going to be a cost involved. And uh, I'm thankful for that, that prophetic warning in advance because sure enough, those <laughs> first couple of years, I didn't know how I was going to make it, <laughs> but God's been good That's and good. driving and better, better than ever now. 
But there was a couple moments. There was a couple fridges getting empty moments. Yeah. And God really, really did some supernatural things. Wow. Man. Well, I, I love your, your passion for scripture. I love your passion for the local church. And um, you have also created a number of resources for not just for believers, but for, for, for pastors, a lot of resources. You have 52 Bible verses on hope, 52 Bible verses to teach your kids. I mean, so whether it's a, a parent listening or a lay leader, somebody involved in local church, pastors. We have a lot of pastors that listen to Revival Town. And one resource that is available, and I believe you have thousands in print, is that little black book, Following Jesus. And we use it at our church. Every <laughs> yeah. time somebody gets gets saved, somebody gives their life to Christ, we always gift that to them. We put that directly oh, in their hands. So, so love that. So grateful for that. And I mean... I mean, you even have them printed in other languages now, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Um, thank you, first of all, that I love and I'm honored to team up with you guys at your church and that you're giving that as a resource. And that has been a fun thing because, you know, all of us as pastors, like, hey, we're getting people saved, but at the end of the day, we got to make sure they're discipled. And I remember just feeling like, man, I'll make sure, you know, obviously giving people a Bible, I always say, the number one following Jesus book is not my book. It's called the Bible. Right. And, uh, but my, I see my book as like an on-ramp. You know what I mean? Uh It's like you're so many people have zero context and they're trying to jump onto the freeway. Somebody hands them a Bible and they just have no, if nobody's walking them through it, nobody's baby stepping them into it. They can just get really lost. So my book is chock full of scripture and just really some one-on-one and getting on, on boarded. And I just, you know, um, God's really blessed it. Yeah. I would say I was trying to, I was trying to think I needed to do some fresh calculations, but we're nearing, probably the half million in, in, in print of, wow. of that book in both English and Spanish. Wow. And, um, that was the first language you translated into Spanish, but now we've got it in a few languages, uh, uh, Telugu, which is uh, dialect in India. We've got Urdu over there as well. Um, we have Arabic, which is a, was a really fun translation to, to help out and be a part of. And then right now it's been translated into Mandarin as well. Wow. So, wow. um, I'm just just going to keep trying to serve as many languages, many people as possible, and and uh, you know that's that's been a privilege. You know, it was funny when I first stepped out um, to kind of come down to San Diego, and I was going to itinerate, and I, I still do a bit of that now. I'm now I'm campus pastoring, so I'm more local focused in here. But I, um, you know, I don't know. You know, when you look at the fivefold leadership gifting in the body of Christ, you know. Being the teacher, it feels like sometimes the least like sexy version of the five. You know what I'm saying? It's like everybody wants to be the apostle, the prophet, the yeah. evangelist. You know, yeah, yeah. and so I'm gonna be the evangelist. So I got this kind of prophet edge to me, and it just felt like um, what God really kept stirring me back to is just more of this teacher side of what I do, which was just creating simple, effective resources that serve the church, help with discipleship, not only serve the broad church, but like you said, serve parents, you know, Mm -hmm. devotionals and resources to help support uh, people and discipling their family, their kids. And then I found out later on as I was kind of building that my great grandpa was a Bible college teacher at a Assemblies of God college in Minnesota. And so it was like, okay, well, I guess it's in the blood. Teachers got to be, it's got to be a part of my thing. So I'm just going to embrace it and love it. And actually the more (laughs) I've leaned into serving the church 
in that I just, it's just, I love it. And so, you know, now I'm just constantly thinking, okay, how can I keep producing things that are going to help the church make disciples, be effective in that area? And um, so, yeah, it's, you know, now I got a seven biblical principles on parenting is a new book I'm writing, and that's going to be releasing later on this year in kind of that same vein of just, okay, what does God say? Find that, that so many things in this era is like, what do I feel? What are my thoughts? Yeah. What, what are the latest ideas? But no, it's like, we got to keep calling people back to the word, right? Yeah. What yeah. has God said? What yeah. is written? What is the truth of God's word? Because that's what's setting people free. Uh, with Billy Graham, I watched a documentary on him. And, you know, right now we're, we've, we live, you know, it's still in this era where there's a fresh round of people questioning, is the Bible true? Can it be trusted? Can it be valid? Well, in this documentary on Billy Graham, he talked about in some of the beginning stages of his ministry really blowing up. There was, again, in that era, a fresh round of people challenging, can the Bible be trusted? Mm. He wrestled and he researched and he went in. And then he finally just said, no, I'm doubling down on God's word is the truth, which is why most of the time in his messages, he says, the Bible says, you know, God's word, worry about going, well, yeah, I got what he's culturally relevant, you know, trying to draw on all these other resources. He just said, no, the truth is the truth. We're going to keep calling it. We're going to keep reinforcing it. And so that's kind of what a lot of, I think what God has sort of centered me around is just trying to, even in my social posts, I'm, I'm very politically, a lot of the stuff I say sometimes too, but it's really not political. It's just that I keep wanting to confront cultural issues Mm. with the truth. Mm. Sometimes it looks political, but it's much more that I got to keep calling people to the truth. Yeah. And no matter what the topic is, I don't care if it's politically charged or not. I'm going to keep saying what's right. Yeah, and that's what I honestly that's what I love about you. Um, we love that about Elisa Childer. She was she's on the podcast this week and uh, the author of another uh, another gospel. She has a new book coming out called Finding Your Truth and Other Lies. And one of the things that we we had that conversation with her so many people they they are they're walking away from the word. They're throwing out Jesus. The progressive church movement is leading people away from Christ. Right. And I love the fact I love your boldness. I love the fact that you are are so passionate about scripture. You're you're what my dad would call a believing believer. And anyone can believe. The devil believes and he's going to hell, right? The demons tremble at the mention of the name of Jesus. <laughs> but you're a believing believer and yeah. you stand on the word, you speak the word, you preach the word, you post the word. And I love that, whether it's politically charged or not. You know, there is this Obviously, there is an element of the, the national Christianity thing, but I, I don't like being put in a box. I can I can be passionate about the word. I can be passionate about my country, right? And um, yeah. but yeah. there there are certain people that that would say you can't be, and that's that's yeah. that's, that's baloney, man. So I just want to say thank you for your boldness, man. Thank you for your voice, yeah. being willing to stand yeah. for truth, stand for the word. Well, thank you, and you know I think. I think to anyone who gets concerned about that line, you know, and, and of course that big, the big indictment, if you're a Christian nationalist, that's like the big slur. It's like being called a racist, you know? And, uh, but I think if you throw out all the labels and you throw out all the, you know, things, just keep, especially if you're a leader, a church leader or a Christian influencer, a voice of any kind, just keep trying to fight for truth. That's yeah. the main thing, right? 
is because the truth is what sets people free. We have a nation and we have a world full of bondage, full of oppression and confusion and chaos and all kinds of pain that comes with people not knowing which way's up, which way's down, what's right, what's what's truth, what's lies. And so we have to be the voice, no matter what your version of kind of articulating that is or what you focus in on, just just keep fighting to say, you know what, I, I don't know everything and maybe I don't want to be associated this way or that. If you can wor- not worry about that and just say, I'm going to say what's true, sometimes that's going to come across political. Sometimes that's going to come across um, social. Some, You know what I mean? It, sometimes it's just going to come across purely spiritual. Whatever the deal is, let's just keep bringing the truth because we know that's the answer. We right. know. Amen. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yes. Do we need to bring it in grace? Absolutely. Um, but right now, I, I think my extra edge is that I think sometimes we've got to discern the times. Yeah. You know, there are peace times and there are war times. Mm. Mm. And and peace time, you can preach, Right. It's sort of like plant the fields, tend the garden. Uh, but wartime, you need a wartime message. And a wartime is ter- take the territory and defend the, defend the garden, right? Yeah. Take new garden. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like yeah. Th- there's a different hour that we're living in. Sure. And to be honest, I hope we break through this and I can get back to posting a little bit more you know, kumbaya type post from time to time. <laughs> and, you know, how to, how, to, how, to, how to love your wife and, you know, yeah. how to, you know, and be kind. And like, I, I, I want to get more back to some of those, but it's like we're in a season where we have a more aggressive battle in the spirit that we're fighting. So it requires a little bit more of a lean in to some of those edgier topics that can make people uncomfortable. Yeah. Wow. Well, Samuel, I know we want to be respectful of your time. We know you're on the road and you have a limited time today. I know that there are people listening right now that they are they are struggling. They're they're being pulled by the church, they're being pulled by culture, and there are people that are questioning their their own faith. We have all the de- deconstructive people. Um, can you take a moment and speak life over and and pray for those that are listening and watching today that are on the fence, that are struggling, that need that message of hope to, to, to hear that? Yeah, we're in a battle. We are we are at war right now, and it is time to stand strong. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, you know, I think anyone wrestling with with questions, I'll just first of all say. That's all good. You know, if you're facing feeling overwhelmed by things, even questioning, you know, what what's the right interpretation of certain scriptures or things that you're coming against, some of the deconstructive things. I think I think what we have to do is not not assume that God is nervous about wrestling with, with the truth, wrestling with how to approach things, wrestling with with what culture is throwing at us. Um, but I think the key is to stay close to the things that anchor us. Um, I remember this old movie uh, called Twister. It's kind of this old iconic movie. Uh, I don't know. Every year it's getting longer ago. So I don't know if it was 15 <laughs> years ago, 20 years ago. <laughs> Maybe it was longer. I don't know. Yeah. But it was kind of this fanciful movie, right, about all these big tornadoes and they're chasing them and, and uh, I remember this one, it's like a final scene. There's this 
Category 5 or whatever the big ones are. They're running through a cornfield from the tornado, right? <laughs> and uh, they find a shed. And, of course, they go in the shed. What's in the shed but knives and blades? And it's like <laughs> the worst possible place to be in a tornado. But yeah. then what they're trying to do is find a way to anchor themselves in the storm, right? And so... It's it's a bit, you know, fantasy level, but he takes his belt off. He wraps around a pipe that he knows is going deep into the ground, wraps around himself and his girl. And, of course, the wind blows. The shed gets thrown off. And there they are kind of flapping in the wind, holding on to this leather belt that's holding on to a deep pipe. And, and I always go back to that because uh, it, when storms are blowing, when there's confusion, when there's chaos, when there's uncertainty – you got to find something to anchor yourself to, yeah. right? Otherwise, you just get taken with the wind. You get taken with the storm in all the confusion and chaos of culture. And so sometimes it's like, you know what? Maybe there's a lot of questions and uncertainty, but what are the anchor points that you can just lock into, hold on for dear life, and kind of weather it? Because you'll find things blow over, confusion subsides, the narratives of culture kind of die down and you can kind of get your bearings again. So you hold on to those truths of who Jesus is. You hold on to the fact that God has established his, his church, his family. And so you kind of link in with family. You link into the gospel and the truth that's unchanging. And you just hold on to that kind of white knuckle the gospel and just wait till some of these storms blow yeah. over and then re-get some clarity. You'll find a little bit more truth because things have been leveled out and you'll find out what's standing what's not yeah and that's why sometimes even in this last season we've all lived through it's sort of like an earthquake or a tornado that's just sort of leveled things and then you find out what was actually a hurricane which everyone's not on the water tornadoes yeah. <laughs> you kind of find out what what is still standing and go wow looks like that was made ready for the earthquake that was ready for the storm sure. and now you can kind of recalibrate because in a world of confusion it's like what's true what's not what's up what's down well these seasons actually sift shake out the truth and you actually find out who's got some real substance right where the bible mm, says yeah. if you falter in the time of trouble there really wasn't much to you and these are seasons where we kind of get to see what's really in people who are the leaders we really want to follow yeah Oh, of God, what pastors are really standing for something of, of worth. And it kind of allows all of us to recalibrate who's kind of leading what, where God is in things where he's not. And uh, so don't, don't be afraid of the storm well, anchor, anchor onto the truth. If nothing else, you know, Jesus for you and, and he has saved you by his blood, what he did on the cross. You anchor on those things, all the other chaos and confusion, let it blow over and refine uh, that that truth and that anchoring again, and and when when all seems kind of lost, that's where you got to hold on hope, right? And even our faith is anchored on hope, right? Yeah. Yeah. Faith is yeah. actually the substance of things hoped for. It's yeah. why the devil always goes after hopelessness in a culture, anxiety, sure. depression. What what are what are all those built off of? Hopelessness. Yeah, not sure if if you can believe there's anything to put your hope in anymore but we still serve a god who's on the throne no matter what chaos is in culture we we can be confident and have hope that he is the god of hope the bible says right yeah he's the source of that he sustains hope we can anchor our hope in him right yeah Yeah. 
and God's with you. He's not left you. And you can you can weather this storm with strength and come on the other side uh, better than before. Man, so good. man, come on, preach. Yeah, that's good. That's good. <laughs> oh man, thank you so you much. Get me fired up. <laughs> <laughs> well, can you close us in prayer, Samuel? Be honored. I'd absolutely love to. Yeah. Father, we thank you uh, for this Revival Town podcast and community for Chuck, for Andy. God, I thank you for what you're doing in their life as your leading voice in, in creating conversations that are bringing hope, bringing truth. God, I pray for everybody right now in this moment that you comfort them. You said your spirit is the comforter. It is that, that, that spirit of hope, that spirit of truth, that spirit of comfort. And you're the God of all comfort. God, I pray you be with them, meet them right now where they're at and give them courage. Any pastors listening right now, give them fresh courage. Yeah. Yes, Jesus. To take their stand on truth, not stand in cultural narratives, not stand whatever the latest, greatest idea thought is even from Christian thought leaders, but taking our stand on the word and going back to that building churches that are rock solid because we are building on the rock solid truth. Let us be faithful to your word, faithful to your truth, because we know that is the source of freedom for our, our families, our churches, our cities, our nations. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, thank you so much, Pastor Samuel. Now, can you just tell us how people could follow you and hear more about you and the books? What, what is the best way for someone to be able to connect with you? Yeah, absolutely. Probably, probably from, from a book standpoint, Super Easy, Amazon, they're all there. If you're just wanting to check out some of the resources, either uh, for pastors, leaders, and parents, the discipleship devotional resource. You can just grab an individual copy of the following Jesus book on Amazon if you're wanting to look into it. If you're, as a church, if, if like Chuck, you're wanting to say, hey, we want to give this out as a resource to new believers or people when they get baptized, we have more bulk resourcing options where better discount rates, book.com. Otherwise, you can follow me on social or on, you know, website, Samuel Duth, SamuelDuth.com or at Samuel Duth. It works out great to have a, a Jewish first name and a German last name because <laughs> nobody has that social media handle. <laughs> so uh, everybody can can find it on every platform, whether That's it's brilliant. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Getter, Truth, you know, all the, all the platforms, <laughs> yes, all the handles. Yes. <laughs> That's and, great. Uh, and you can you can check it out. But anyway, I can be a resource and serve your family or your church. I'd be honored to, to help. That's great. Well, thank you so much for that. One last thing before we say goodbye. I know you've got to rush off here, but we do the big three. So we're going to do big three questions <laughs> that everyone's oh, dying well, to nervous. know about. So, I'm nervous. Oh, no. So right. I'll, I'll, I can you start, start if you want. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I actually went to San Diego for my honeymoon years ago. Loved it. Loved the place. Um, and I found a lot of amazing places to eat. So if I was coming back to San Diego, where would we be going to eat? Oh, man, this is so tough. There's literally amazing food all over San Diego. This is a place to eat your tacos, okay? Okay. Bull bull here all over the place. But also, when I have a, a favorite Italian spot called Amalfi, and there's they, they are absolutely one of the best in Rancho Santa Fe area, more North County. Um, so I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to shout them out and right. throw some love their way, but nice. so much 
All right, all right. That's good. All right, so I'm going to pull a question out of Andy's hat. He usually asks this one. I'm going to ask this one. Um, Obviously, we we know that uh, you're a pastor, an author, in ministry, all the above. What does Samuel do do for fun? Fun. Yeah. Oh, that's right. (laughs) I'm supposed to have fun. (laughs) I am... I my my fun is is a range of things. We try to get out. We we live in San Diego, so we try to get over to Palm Desert. Uh, just get over the hill. It gets more like hot, lay out in the sun, vacay vibes. So we uh, we got a little spot over there that we go and just play with the kids, hit in the pool, relaxing, chilling. Uh, I like golf. That's like the pastor answer. Uh, I'm not a golfer. That would be too. That would be too glorious of a definition of how I play, but I like playing it. I'm not an exercise guy. I just want to go on record. A lot of pastors these days try to pretend like they're fitness experts. Yeah. That's not me. I literally try to avoid the gym at all possible. <laughs> um, so I'm a good coffee. I love writing and reading. It's like super boring sounding. And uh, my wife actually harasses me for it. She's like, oh, my God, no. Like, why would you want to go read a book? Like, what are you, like on vacation? Like, what are you? Like, let's have fun. Let's play. So, That's so uh, my wife keeps me more fun in that way, uh, jet skiing and vacation in that way. But with the life, the pace that we live, we try to, tr- um, I actually learned a while ago. I used to have like the every year big two week vacation, but it's too much buildup. It's gone too fast. And then you have a whole year of waiting. Yeah. So we actually moved into much more of a once a month. We try to go away for a day, two yeah. days. Yeah, that's uh, good. For sure, once a, once a quarter, just getting away, relaxing, unplugging, having fun. I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but drink a margarita. Whoa! Yeah! Uh, hey! Uh, oh! Uh oh! <laughs> Cut the tape. <laughs> that's good. That's good. Uh, well, my last question for you is uh, is a, a boring one, but I know people are wondering: Would you prefer where you're living now, or living somewhere where you get the the seasons? You know, like winter, fall, summer, or do you like it hot all the time? Well, here's the thing: I uh, in when you live in San Diego, your body actually acclimates. So it actually feels like multiple seasons, even though it's varying degrees of about five to 10 degrees of winter. (laughs) Right, right, right. right. Uh, But um, so your body acclimates quick. I remember when we first came, even from Seattle, and it was like, I think we moved in like a September, late September, you know, early October. And so it was like upper 60s, almost 69. And we're like at the beach. We're thinking like, this is heaven. This is summer. And I'm like, why are these beaches so empty? I look around. I see people with like long sleeve shirts on and coats oh, and pants. Man. And I, it, it dawned on me. I was like, oh, no. I said, like, these are the locals. <laughs> like, uh, I'm going to be the dude in a coat when it's under 70. Yeah. And sure enough, a year later, and someone's like, want to go to the beach? And I'm like, it's... <laughs> It's only like 68 degrees out, so it's going to be kind of cold. Probably going to stay stay back, drink my hot, you know, cocoa kind of a thing. And uh, so, no, no, because no matter where I travel, and there's all kinds of beautiful places in the world, 
coming home is always amazing because I know I'm yeah. coming back to about a 72 degree weather nice. life. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, before yeah. I make people angry, angry at me, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, one time, one time I traveled back to Minnesota for like literally it was negative like 15 there. Yeah. And then I flew, I flew back to like 68 to 70 degree weather. Oh, so I literally had like this 80 degree near 100 degree swing. My body was freaking out, but wow. I'm not mad about it. I'm no, no, no. don't, don't hold a grudge. You're okay. You're okay. Hey, yeah. Well, thank you so much for being yeah. on Revival Town podcast today. Uh, we do appreciate your insight and everything that you're doing, not just in San Diego, but also with the books and everything that is literally in, impacting people around the world. So we just want to say thank you for being on Revival Town today and keep going. All right, we're back. How about that interview? Good conversation. That was good. It yeah. was good. I mean, yeah, yeah. He's good. He's good people. So yeah, I know he uh, follows you. Follow him quite a bit, and and that was interesting. What you said about the book that you give someone if they come to your church and accept Christ. This is like the next step book. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I want to make sure people heard Chuck talk about that. That's a great resource. I think sometimes the church. Uh, lets people down on that front yeah the, the, the next step yep. like come to jesus but you're on your own now you know this is a good tool wouldn't you it, say it's a great tool jesus said to go make disciples not converts right and and we need to play a part of that as a local church and i have failed at times as a pastor and our church has failed at times but um, we grabbed a hold of this resource uh, even before covid and and it's been great. So pastors, lay leaders, um, grab his book, Following Jesus. You can get them in bulk, get a whole box. And when someone gives their life to Christ, just put that in their hands and have them read it, follow up. It's, it's, um, it's good stuff. And, you know, out, off the air, he mentioned something during the show, uh, during the podcast. You got a scratch or what? Uh, I'm itching. I'm itching. It's, it's the hornets from last week's episode. Um, so, no, I, I was, um, he mentioned that, his great grandfather was a teacher at a an assembly got a Bible college in Minnesota. So yeah. when we got off air with him, I asked him, "Hey, what what school was that?" Because I had a feeling it was North Central Bible College, which is an assembly got Bible college that I attended. Yeah, and that I was correct. So his great father, great grandfather, the library is named after him. And when I was at North Central, I was a librarian. Oh my god! I had I never knew in back then when I worked in library that someday I would have a book, right? Yeah. It was so so crazy, kind of kind of wild story. So anyway, thank you, Pastor Samuel. That was amazing. Great. Good great stuff. stuff. Great stuff. Well, you know what's next, don't you? Yes. It's, well, there's Revival Town. It's, uh, <laughs> it's the... Uh, Tate and his date. Tate I mean, is Tate and his mate. I mean, Tate and his mate. <laughs> Oh man! So Tate and his mate. This is where I will throw a word or a phrase or something to eat at Mister Tate, and he's got to try and guess it. Now, last week we threw and it's some a British word or British, it's a British word, treat. British word. It's because you're from England, so yeah. you always share a slang word that's familiar in Britain, but not here. Yeah, and, and I have to guess. And last week we threw marmite it at was, you. That was nasty. It was, yeah. I mean, I don't even know. It was fun, but it was nasty. Yeah. I I enjoyed the experience. So this week, we've got a word for you. Okay. okay? So uh, after, uh, I'll put it into context. Okay. I'll put it into context. Uh, When moving, when you are moving into a new home, 
The settee is a hard thing to carry. The what's a hard thing to carry? Settee. Settee. Settee? Settee. Settee. S-E-T-T-E, I do believe. I, I might be wrong on the Seti. spelling. Okay. Settee. Set, okay. All right. So, will you help me move the settee? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. Hey, mate. Help me move the settee. Yeah. Um, how about couch? Whoa! Hey, you got it. Did it really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So the, the settee is something you sit on. The yeah. city. It's yeah. the city. Only they call S- it the settee. The city. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm driving through the city. Can you help me carry the settee? There you go. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, uh, so you sit on the settee. All right. That's in, the uh, first time I've got one in a while. I know. I know. That's yeah. all right. Although last week we did. You know, te- tease you a bit with the food. Yep. You know, and you didn't. So it's only fitting. You're still probably tasting it from last right. week. Yeah, but, it's, uh, yeah. But yeah, settee. So you need a settee in this in this office, settee, mate. Yeah, to, you're right. You know. Yeah, our, our studio definitely could use a settee. Yeah, and you can have a nap when, when you're boring preaching next door in the sanctuary. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, whenever I have somebody else, like whenever you're like, you're a guest and preaching, <laughs> I can hang out here and take a nap on the settee. <laughs> Oh, well, thank you so much for listening to Revival Town Podcast today. Make sure that you are checking us out on social media. Um, Interact with us. You can even go and leave a message for us uh, through our website, revivaltownpodcast.com. Click on listen now, and then there is a button where you can leave a A, message. A voicemail. Yeah. A voice message. Yeah. So... Chuck is always great. Next week is a big one. It is. Next week, we turn 100. Woo! Woo! 100th episode. Yeah. It's going to be fun. All right, mate. See you next week. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Revival Town Podcast. Make sure you're following us on social media and remember to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information, head on over to RevivalTownPodcast.com. Oh,